after further review as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. <laughs> he is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Fula. After further review, we're in the home studio. I feel more comfortable in the home studio. I don't know. It seems like everything just flows very well. More crystal clear uh, audio. And I don't know. It just seems pretty strange with me here in the home studio once again. But we got Darren Cohn, the coach, here on the phone lines. And we are coming in with that Drake Pound Cake beat on 88.3 WGTs after further review. Make sure you always check us out on SoundCloud and on iTunes. As we always post our segments up there. And if you're on iTunes, give us a, a like or five stars. Don't give us one star. If you're going to give us one star and you don't like us, just, you know, skip through us and you know and don't mention nothing but if you do like the content that we're bringing to you give us five stars and we once again we got a five-star guest here on the show as usual darren cone the coach what's up coach Derek, what's up my man how are you how are you the only the only bad thing about the home studio is you don't get to give frank his morning hug and you know sometimes you know frank needs a little hug get him going <laughs> get him out of his grumpy pants <laughs> well actually behind the scenes thing though we don't i don't really give frank a hug i kind of just motivate him just in the just we just have our banter you know that's what a lot of people <laughs> like about it so uh yeah frank uh uh is uh working actually at amazon so he's like me he's a box pusher so uh um he works four days a week 10 hours a day and uh if since i'm working at ups i mean all i see is a box with a smiling face so i i, I can't imagine what frank looks at all day <laughs> nice nice well thanks for having me on no no problem uh, coach cone so we we'll get into it nba is starting back up can you believe it just a month a month and a half ago basically or really two months ago the bubble was over and uh the los angeles lakers became the the nba world champions and now we're going to get into preseason then december 22nd the real season starts up and uh there will be no bubble so i want to get your thoughts on how you've seen everything with the pandemic going on the bubble was a great success but now they're going to be playing in their own home arenas and now they're doing testing protocols and everything. Um, how is this going to work out? Because it looked like we were in the clear in the summer months and during the bubble months with the other sports. But now that December's hit, now it's just in a straight cluster. Now the teams are, gonna have, are starting to cancel a lot of basketball games on the college side. Do you think that's going to affect the NBA as well? Well, it's, it's, it's still to be determined, but I think the NBA will be even a little more controllable because it'll almost be like each individual team or franchise is going to try to uh, incorporate a mini bubble, if you will. Um, you know, the, the NBA bubble in Orlando was a huge success um, for most part. I mean, it was a very expensive uh, endeavor and it was something that just you, you couldn't uh, maintain that for the entire length of the season and with the total amount of NBA teams. So you talked about, uh, you know, it being a quick turnaround and starting preseason already. Well, that's very true for those teams that made a nice little run. Um, and that's why you'll see some of the stars won't play in the preseason and aren't doing a whole lot in, in training camp. The, the people that were on those, you know, last, last eight teams specifically. But for those teams that didn't make the playoffs, I mean, it probably seems like forever. Yeah. And that's a lot of teams. That's more than half of the players who were shut down due, you know, to the original COVID shutdown and then just didn't even make it to the bubble. So it's been forever and ever uh, for them. So they probably are chomping at the bit to uh, to get this preseason started. So it'll still be to be determined. But I think um, with the budget and the finances and the staffs of the different NBA uh, organizations, it's going to be a lot con more controllable uh, and has a, probably a higher propensity for success than what you see at the high school and college levels. But yeah. time will tell. Yeah, the teams that got affected originally by the uh, original pandemic shutdown, especially like the Hawks, the Cavaliers, and the Pistons, they haven't played since March. They haven't played in over nine months. That's a long, long time. 
Heck, that, that'll send some players into retirement. Some of the older players, you take nine months off. They, they start, <laughs> Might as well just shut it down. They enjoy that off-season life. But hopefully, you know, the, the season goes off without a hitch. Now, Doc Rivers had mentioned it, and I don't have the soundbite for it, but he was saying that with this pandemic, you know, if you go on a virus protocol or someone gets the virus, that could affect playoff chances. Isn't that right? With some of the teams that, you know, usually are competing between five and eight, I mean, you lose a couple games, that could either put you out of the playoffs or drop you down a few spots if you're in the playoffs. Well, it's certainly going to put a, uh, a more of a premium on every game, every night, and, uh, and, and really even every quarter. I mean, it sounds cliche, but every, every play is going to matter. It's going to be much more um, like the college game. Um, where you don't have a lot of room for air and oopsies, especially if you're those middle tier or on the on the uh, fringe for in or out of the playoffs teams, like you're mentioning. Um, you know, when you play a couple handfuls of preseason games and then 82 regular season games, and I mean that can really that can really be a drag. But this is this is going to cut it down a little bit. Um, and it, it, you know, it it just focus. It, it's it's not the end all be all, but it's it's like a half a turn on the microscope. Focus. It makes it just a little more tighter on your body of work. Yeah, it is only seventy two games this year, and uh, um, it, it's going to be very interesting season. It's, but always, there's always drama in the NBA. Uh, also, news basically, you can't sit out your star players for national televised games. No more of the load management. Your thoughts. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a huge proponent of that. I feel like, uh, you know, um, if if you work at Amazon or, or if 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 you work at Andersons or wherever, you you, you don't get to take days off necessarily because you're tired or sit on the sidelines. I mean, you're paid to be a professional. Like like Michael Jordan has went on record saying many times, I got paid to play 82 games, and I showed up and played 82 games. I feel like, you know, I'm pretty old school. If you're not injured or ill. Um, you know, then you should be playing. So uh, especially in an entertainment type industry where people are playing uh, lots of money for tickets and popcorn and, 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 and even organizations paying for commercials and that type of thing for TV rights. Um, you know, I think there's a responsibility uh, when you're on that roster to be available to play at all times. So I like that the NBA stepped up and said, listen, you know, no load management uh, for nationally televised games. Honestly, I feel like they should just say it across the board. I don't know that'll ever happen, at least in the current climate that we live in, uh, with the level of sensitivities and and really, um, the players and the agents have a lot of the control right now. Where before it was the owners and the coaches and management and the NBA office. Um, so it's 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 the powers have shifted a bit. Um, but I am a big proponent of uh, if you're going to get paid, then you better be ready to play. When do you think that shift happened? I mean, you still got you you, you still got to have the NBA offices and them controlling. I understand having some you know players having some control within their their, their career and everything like that. But now you almost have like basically <laughs> this is probably the first thing I've ever seen where the employees run the organization, and normally the organization always had at least an edge on their employees, even though players, even though at, at any company, you know, employees might think, oh, we got a little bit of an edge. You know, always somehow the employer had the edge. It seemed like that's not in the NBA. Well, it certainly changed. I mean, I would say it was probably eight or so years ago when the players' union and the collective bargaining agreement, um, you know, put in the max contracts and kind of changed the pay structure um and also the free agency structure and that type of thing where um you know players can certainly not all players but the elite players the top uh you know 20 players uh in the nba can kind of control their own destiny for the most part um and and it's had a bit of a trickle down effect now we also uh jj berea got released i don't know if you saw that now you just remember just last month the Mavs signed him to a one-year deal with the minimum. The veterans' minimum was about two point six million, but they had them at sixteen players with guaranteed contracts, and you can only have actually fifteen. And on Thursday, they basically released JJ Barea, who has been on the Mavs eleven out of his eleven out of his fourteen years in the NBA, and also won an NBA championship with them. Is, does that happen a lot in the NBA, where you go to a good franchise, especially like Dallas owner Mark Cuban, where? You know, you, you put in your time, we'll reward you a little bit, but we got to let you go. Yeah, it doesn't happen a lot. Um, and, it, and if you haven't seen 
the the uh, press conference video of JJ Barrera. It's worth a look. It's an emotional, mm-hmm. heartfelt, uh, you know, short message. But um, you know, it, it doesn't happen a lot. Well, frankly, you know, it doesn't happen a lot where players stay with a franchise that long, especially uh, a quote unquote role player. Mm-hmm. But I think he was such a beloved. Uh, player and, and person in the community and a success story hailing from Puerto Rico uh, that it was just sort of like a good deed. I think I think they knew all along that he wasn't going to be on the roster this year. And I think it was Mark Cuban and, and Donnie Nelson kind of throwing him a solid uh, and thanking him um, for his service because they knew they had the, the uh, salary cap room and and, um, you know, I, I think they just really wanted to, to do a, a good deed for him and, 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 and thanking him for for the loyal contributions throughout his career, but a good man. Um, you know, I, I've actually never met Berea personally, but, uh, but everybody says great things about him. Yeah. He's got Jalen Brunson and Trey Burke in front of him, And as you know, this is the, the unfortunate thing about basketball is, is that it's a young person's game and he's only 36 and I'm a little bit older than him and you're a little bit older than me. And <laughs> when that sand goes through that, uh, that 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 uh, the that little thing you know I forget what it's called when you put the hourglass the, the hourglass hour it, when it's over it's over for him playing at a high level it's over for JJ Barea and to play 14 years in the league is nothing to you know sniff at though so uh, great career great role player great person I'm sure he'll find either something some kind of role in NBA organizations yeah I think that's a that's a very fair uh, prediction. Now, Clippers and Paul George agreed to a huge four-year, $190 million extension. Uh, he called himself Playoff P, even though he doesn't really produce in the playoffs. Some people say he needs to change his name to Pandemic P. Your thoughts on uh, <laughs> on <laughs> Paul George <laughs> always blaming somebody when he, does, when he fails at something? Well, you know, I can't blame Paul George for getting that contract because it was the owners and the management that had to offer it to him, you know, um, there's certainly there's certainly something to be said about uh, his playoff and postseason um, success or records. I mean, you know, but there's only one champion every year. Um, you know, so he's probably taken a lot of grief and negativity for some of the ways that his teams have exited or the ways he's performed at the very end of uh, of seasons when they've been really good. Um, there's a lot of credit to the fact that you know he is a really good player and his teams have been competitive enough to be in those type of scenarios, but he hasn't been able to rise uh, to the elite level status, um, though his paycheck's going to indicate a little differently. So, you know, they locked him up, locked Kawhi up, so they got some guys there for the long term. And uh, Steve Ballmer, the owner, you know, has been uh, not shy of, uh, of spending money, so I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, I think the bigger issue is going to be internally with the locker room, with the chemistry of the organization, and the culture, there's been a lot of uh, at least speculation or rumors that, that, that there's been some chemistry and culture issues, which surprises me that they essentially hired from within for their coaching staff uh, by moving Doc Rivers um, and essentially hiring his assistant. I thought or I anticipated that there may be an all overhaul um, where they brought in someone totally new and basically cleaned house, at least of the coaching staff, not necessarily of the front office. Um, but they chose not to. So my guess is it's going to be much more of the same. But, uh, you know, I don't own a team, so I don't have to worry about those decisions. And, and, and But if I'm going to spend that kind of money on players and, and, and buying out a fired coach and paying a new coach, I'm probably going to make a few more changes or tweaks than, than what the Clippers actually have done. But they must feel very confident that they're very close uh, to the promised land for keeping things as similar uh, to last season as they did. That is true. I mean, last season they the the, the Clippers, the other LA team, was actually picked to uh, actually win the NBA championship. But then the LeBron factor happened, and really the epic collapse. I don't think they were up three one on the Denver Nuggets, and that was just an epic collapse when they fell in the second round. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and Denver overachieved and and uh, and and deserves all the credit for that. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, in a lot of a lot of sense of the word it was a collapse or or a disappointment or a lack of showing up by the clippers but a uh, big shout out to my man uh monty morris for the denver clippers uh backup point guard or part-time starter um guy that i've worked with and known since he was 15 14 years old just signed a 
three-year, uh, $9 million a year contract. So mm-hmm. just awesome, awesome success story for a young man from Flint, Michigan, uh, Flint Beecher High School. So, uh, And he was a, a, a real steady hand with that Denver team. I think he led the NBA last year in assist-to-turnover ratio, which isn't something that's talked about often by, by the gurus, but something that's really important when it comes to winning. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's good. It's always good to know someone that's actually in the league. So you can compare that. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about LeBron, and we talked about this a little bit off air, and we're going to actually bring this up for you as LeBron in the, the Kyrie situation. And, you know, once again, the NBA and LeBron, there's always a little bit of drama. But you guys listen to this here from uh, LeBron James. So when I heard the comment that Kyrie made, I, I wanted to, one, not only find the whole transcript, but also call my people, yeah, send me the whole transcript, and um, and I heard he had did it on Katie's podcast, and um, I was a I was a little I was a little like like damn, yeah. Once I got the whole transcript, I was like damn, you know. I wasn't like oh you tripping. I've hit yeah. game winning shots my yeah. whole life. I was not like that. I was like damn because um, you you were there for a couple seasons. I, I mean, I played with Kyrie for three seasons. The whole time while I was there. Um, I only wanted to see him be an MVP of our league. I only cared about his success, and and, and, um, and it just didn't align. Yeah. It, it just didn't align, and we was able to win a championship. Yeah. That's the craziest thing. We were still able to win a championship, and, and we could never align, but I only cared about his well-being, both both on and off the floor, and, and it, and it kind of like, it, it kind of hurt me a little bit. heard that there from LeBron what's what's your thoughts on that uh he wanted to see the whole time he was there he wanted to see Kyrie be MVP of our league even though he at the arguably at the time LeBron was the best player in the league but they just couldn't align and line up which tells you sometimes that you can still win a championship and not get along with everybody well and it's the same thing as in a work scenario you know you you uh uh, we all got people that we love uh in our work scenario or I would assume and but we all have people that we either don't agree with or maybe don't like or don't care for but i think the trick is to be successful without letting them or anyone else know that um you know if, if, if this was at uh you know dow chemical or or libby glass this isn't a conversation that gets brought up but because in professional sports you know drama and uh and, and drama sells and and branding and and public perception is so important you know i i i you, you just knew lebron was going to respond um the reality of it is, is, you know, at every level of an organization or team, and in this case, you know, they're referencing the Cavaliers, there's different levels of maturity and different levels of professionalism. And I think for the last several years, you know, LeBron's always tried to be a, a big brother slash leader slash father figure to guys on his team. Um, and, y- you know, some guys want that. Some guys accept that. Some guys don't. And I think it's very well known that, um, you know, that Kyrie's always struggled a bit with that understudy role. Um, and I think it's a it's a common thing that we see in professional sports because guys uh, or athletes go from the AAU to the high school to the college level where they're pampered and and you got a, a, a whole team of people babysitting you and doing everything for you and making sure everything's accomplished and you're on time and you're prompt and you're checking all the boxes and not that that doesn't happen at the professional level but it's different it's different because you're showing up for a job and you have responsibilities uh in that 21 hours a day where you're not you know on the court that you as a professional and adult have to be accountable for and i think um, a lot of guys, when they're that young, struggle with that transition from going from being a uh, a student athlete um, where you're essentially uh, a piece that is governed by adults to being a professional athlete where you have to be the adult. Um, and, you know, and I, and I think LeBron was 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 very blessed that he made that transition way better than anyone else expected. But a lot of players don't. And I think he really tried to foster and mentor uh, Kyrie to becoming more mature and becoming more of a professional uh, at his job. And though Kyrie is as talented as they come on this planet, whether the planet round or flat, um, 
he, you know, he never really embraced that or accepted that. And he still struggles with it to this day. Um, so it's pretty petty to make those type of comments um, this far down the road and make those type of comments publicly outside of the locker room or your personal circle where, you know, it's going to get backlash and, and it's going to garner attention. Um, so if I was LeBron or in a different setting, I wouldn't even have, have acknowledged it. Um, but in this day and age with branding and social media and podcasts and all that, you sort of almost have to. Uh, but yeah. I, I completely agree with, 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 with LeBron's feelings and, and, and stance and surprised he didn't come back even a little more aggressively. Well, usually LeBron is passive aggressive. I'm actually surprised he actually said something on, on, on road trip in which former uh, Toledo Rocket and now – out in L.A., Allie Clifton hosts that show with Richard Jefferson, by the way. Absolutely. Usually he goes and puts something on Twitter to passively ag- be a passively aggressive. So, you know, it was good to see LeBron come out and be real with it. Yeah, I, I, I concur. Now, moving on with that one, now we get into the meat and potatoes. Now, a guy that always keeps it real, and I can't believe it's weird seeing this guy with gray in his beard. It, isn't it weird that when you, you – it's the 90s, I know, are starting to become almost 30 years ago. But when you used to see these guys, you know, they're young, and now to see some of these guys old, it, it, it kind of freaks me out. But Steven Jackson, you got to give him a follow on Instagram on Stack5. Uh, kept it real, real, almost to the point where we're going to play this sound bite. But when we get it on radio, it's going to be totally edited because, you know, like I said, he just spits the real fire. But he's talking about James Harden. And let, let's let's face it, James Harden's being petty right now by not showing up to Rockets camp and then demanding a trade. But I have my thoughts on why he wants to demand the trade. And I'll talk about we'll, me and you will talk about it after you listen to this sound bite from Steven Jackson. Maybe it's just me, bro. I don't know, but this is weird. One, to me, it's just it's just simple. James Harden don't want to be held accountable. Dan Tony is the worst defensive coach in NBA history. Ain't gonna win it. Ain't won it as the head coach, and he easy to run over. So James is trying to continue to be around close to Dan Tony, so he can't be held accountable. And then again, what type of dude is you? The Rockets finally get a young black coach. A young black coach get an opportunity, and you don't want to show up to camp. You don't want to play for him. How'd that look? And you wonder why every time a black coach get a job, they put him in a bullshit situation. Look what you're doing. What a real one would do is go play for that black coach and make him look good and build with John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, some real ones. But obviously, you want to chase rappers around. Your thoughts on that one? But well, one I, we talked about this off air. I, I, as you know, on this show, we always talk about Mike D and Tony. Now, I take the D off his name because he don't believe in coaching D. So on this show, we call him Mike and Tony. But your thoughts on 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 with with James Harden? Well, you know, um, Tough I one. agree with the petty piece, man. Um, there's guys and we've talked about this in other topics but there's there's guys that you just don't ever win anything with of substance and i think harden is starting to unfortunately stamp that on his career you know you you figure you play at oklahoma city with mvps like durant and westbrook and then you have uh, serge Ibaka, who's one of the most mobile big men at the time and you couldn't win anything and then you go. But to they were Houston. young. They were young. I mean, they did well, get to a that's finals. Fine. They got that, to a, that, yeah. that, that, That's fine, but it didn't get it done. Okay, and then true. you and then you move to Houston and have your own program, um, and you can't get it done on your own, uh, which is what you wanted. You wanted to go to Houston and have your own program. So they bring in uh, Chris Paul, a future Hall of Famer. They bring in Westbrook. You have a dynamic big and Clint Capella, which you guys basically run out of town, and you can't get it done. And then what I think is the most selfish part is if you wanted to trade, you should have mentioned that or made that apparent prior to them moving Westbrook. But now they've moved Westbrook. They've essentially moved Westbrook to appease you, and now you say you want to leave. So you you almost put yourself in a bad spot because you want to leave, but Houston can't give up everything. You know, they can't go from a top, you know, six or seven team in the league to a, to a bottom feeder because they give up everything because the players' demands – um, and then to, 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 to narrowly, uh, you know, scope out the teams that you're willing to go to, 
you know, I, I, again, it's, you talked about it earlier. It's like, who's in charge here? Um, and I just feel like that there's never going to be another coach that'll let James Harden play the way D'Antoni did. Um, you know, it's just, there's not, there's not another coach that does that. And it didn't work when D'Antoni and D'Antoni left. Um, so I don't know where he's, I think he's going to have to change his mindset and his approach. And I'm not sure he's willing to do that. You know, he said he would go to the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, there's no way he can play in the structure of Coach Budenholzer with the Milwaukee Bucks. There's no way. So that's just off the table. So if you and if you go to Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn's not going to give up Kyrie or Durant to get Harden, I don't think. And and there's no way I don't think that Houston would move him there without getting one of those two. And, you know, why would you go try again at that same offensive philosophy and hope that, you know, D'Antonio uh, has the, the, the juice with Steve Nash to let you play in the same manner, which I don't believe. So then he says Philadelphia, um, you know, that's probably the most realistic uh, scenario. If maybe they would swap Ben Simmons or some sort of package that way and he could go play uh, with the big fella Embiid. Um, that, that seems to be the most logical to me, um, you know, because Miami's got a lot of structure. You think Miami's going to uh, uh, let Harden dribble it 50 times every possession when they got all those shooters spread around the, the, the three-point line and they run all the set plays with Spolstra and, you know, they, they've, they've prided themselves on toughness and grit with Jimmy Butler. There's no way Harden fits into that mix. Uh-uh. So I just, I just don't know, uh, you know, what he's seeking. I think he's sort of boxed himself in a corner, created his own problem um, uh, in terms of options. But ultimately, you know, you got to decide, are you about chasing scoring titles and and being on Sports Center's top ten plays and having all these scoring records, or are you about winning? Because to this point um, in his career, when he, since he's been the main guy or the primary player, I've never felt that he was actually about winning. I thought I was most impressed with him in his career when he was a sixth man in Oklahoma City, and they were at least uh, you, you know trying to win something uh, when he was in that role. But um, you know, I, I wouldn't want him as a coach. Uh, president, owner, or general manager as as my lead guy, even though he's considered one of the best players in the league. Yeah, and he really came on the scene when he came to, you know, basically um, Houston and, and Mike Antoni, as I don't put the D on there, uh, let him do what he did and, and really made him into a superstar. I mean, he basically, wherever Mike, and, let's, let's be honest, even though he doesn't coach defense and he doesn't really believe in it, I, I believe, Every system he's gone into, who's ever been the ball dominant guard, he's made him a star. I mean, look at Jeremy Lin. I mean, Jeremy Lin in New York, you know, was in D'Antoni's system, and you know, he really became you know a star. Steve Nash, and uh, in name Harden. So, I mean, I, I think that I think also that um, Daryl Morey's not there anymore. I think he, I've heard he's had a really good relationship with him, so I think he probably looks at it as his time is done in Houston who is now in Philadelphia right so so, so, uh, and I failed to mention that but another reason why that sort of makes more sense than Brooklyn and Miami and Milwaukee but yeah absolutely now yeah Harden's making 41 million dollars so as you know in the NBA when they do these trades you got to have the salaries to match up so I'm looking at some of these salaries here if Brooklyn were to give up players not obviously, they're not going to give up Kyrie Irving and 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 Kevin Durant to make the salaries kind of match up. They probably would have to get rid of Joe Harris, that makes about sixteen million, and Karis Levert makes about sixteen million. So that's thirty-two million right there. You're going to have to look at another ten million or so for it to match up. They probably would have to get rid of Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, and Karis Levert, three players that are actually really good players that Houston would really want back in a trade to get a James Harden. If that trade were to happen, do you think the Brooklyn Nets would give up those three guys? Oh, I think Brooklyn would. Yeah, I think Brooklyn would in a heartbeat. And, and you know, just because of uh, bodies and and, and uh, roster spots, you know, there would also be some, some role players from Houston that would head that direction. And then ultimately, I think Brooklyn would have to give up a, a, a first-round draft pick uh if not multiple picks um but i just don't see houston doing that because then it would be it would be houston would have to be committing to saying we were a championship contender on paper last year to going in complete rebuild mode and anticipating missing the playoffs this year with a brand new 
first-time rookie coach that you just hired. So that, that, that just doesn't make sense to me. That's not a recipe for success. Um, you know, if they were going to wipe the board clean when Maury left, they would have done it already. Uh, so this late in the year, I, I, just, don't, I just don't think that um, makes sense. Now, if this drags on long enough, they may be forced into that scenario and have no option. But, yeah, I, I definitely think Brooklyn would have to give up all three of those players and a couple draft picks um, for Harden and um, – and then with Harden, they'd probably send you know some 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 guys in there twelve through fifteen on their contracts. Yeah, and, and it you know it's those like I said those players are nothing to sneeze at. I mean Joe Harris is a, is a, is a can shoot. Karis Levert, if you watch Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets games, he did very well in the bubble when Kyrie and Kevin Durant were out. And I think maybe in the right situation, he could possibly be an All Star. You know, I'm not saying a superstar. But he could possibly be an all-star. And we know Spencer Dinwiddie used to be with the Detroit Pistons. His career has really blossomed, especially since he's gone into Brooklyn. So those guys are are, are not bad players. And you're right, uh, Paul Silas' son, is this is his first year uh, being with the Rockets. And uh, it's almost, I feel kind of bad for him. It's almost like he's caught holding the bag. You know, he's thinking, okay, I'm in this pretty decent situation. And then all this happens. And that's not fault of his own. Um but Stack had made a, a mention about it, and I guess I, since I'm a coach and I'm African-American black, it does kind of suck that James Harden's in the league. Black coaches don't get a lot of opportunities, and that's even more they get more opportunities in the NBA than any other sports. But it, it, it's rampant in the Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA. Obviously, hockey doesn't have black coaches, but then again, the, it's a predominantly you know European and, and Caucasian sport. But it, but he has a kind of a point, you know. Here you are, African American player. All this social injustice stuff that's going on, saying Black Lives Matters, having it all on the court in the NBA. Finally, an African American gets a chance to be a coach. You're probably, let's say, Harden is one of the top five NBA players right now, and now you're playing this game. It, it does kind of, it is kind of sickening to an extent to some people to see this happening. Like, dude, just be a professional and show up. You never know. You know, mixing in with John Wall and and uh, uh, Demarcus Cousins, which I kind of think he's a little still a little washed. But then again, though, you still have a decent uh, roster here. Now, will you contend for an NBA championship? I don't know. But can you still be competitive in the West? I think so. I think that's where he needs to do. Just show up and be a professional. I mean, you could agree to that, can't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just like load management, you know, free agency contract stuff. I am completely against anybody who finds a reason not to show up and do your job you know you're paid you're under contract uh be a man own up to your responsibility and do your job and and and, and what i'll say about silas and and i don't know um silas jr personally but he um you know typically when there's a new head coaching hire it's because the team is in disarray or is losing or is a mess or missing the playoffs you know, most time at the, at the professional college level, when there's a new coach, it's because the team sucks. <laughs> and, <laughs> that is and, true. And, and, and the reality is, because, you know, that's what creates the opportunity. Right. And this was a unique scenario where D'Antonio just said, hey, thanks, but no thanks. I don't want to come back. So they hire Silas. And think about the day he got the job. First time head coach, you know, probably a lifelong career goal. And you're like, wow, I'm coming into a team that has – all-stars, MVP candidates, Hall of Famers in the future that just competed for an NBA championship. And I get to take that over. And now, you know, fast forward a month or 45 days later, however long it's been, probably hasn't even been that long. And, and that and that totally has changed. And you haven't gotten to go to one practice yet. You know, no. you hadn't got to do your job really one day yet. And that's all. It's like, you know, he kind of was handed a, a dream scenario and the rugs have been pulled out from under them partially uh, with, you know, trades and movements and holdouts. And uh, so, you know, it's got to be very frustrating. I, I certainly have some sympathy and empathy um, for that young man as, as he's starting his uh, coaching journey in the front seat. Yeah, and I also lost a little bit of respect for James Harden, and, and, and Stephen Jackson brought it up. You know, you need to be getting into camp, not chasing rappers. And, and what he was talking about was that, Harden's not at camp trying to get ready for the preseason this season, but instead he's on social media going to little baby's birthday party trying to lavish him with gifts. It's like, you know, come on, where's your priorities at? But then again, James Harden has always been 
a type of guy that is kind of aloof somewhat and kind of goes to the beat of a, of a different drummer. Well, there's no doubt about that. He's, you know, he's a unique fella. Um, and, and it's, and it's a little bit of a different, um, I guess my comment's different, but it's the same as when we were talking about Kyrie is there's guys who struggle, uh, when they get to the professional sports level with the maturity and the professionalism aspect, you know, this is no longer a game, um, that you've played your whole life and that's open doors for you. And, you know, and provide opportunities for you. This is your job. This is your career and your performance and your decisions has direct implications and effects on hundreds, if not thousands of other employees um, within an organization. And I think sometimes when you get to that elite status or that star status, um, your ego uh, almost blinds you to the, to the reality of, 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 you know, of your responsibility. I mean, cause that's what it is. There's, there's, there's a responsibility to it, you know, and, and, and then, you know, people argue that and say, well, they're entertainers and blah, blah, blah. But if, uh, you know, if, if you're in, um, if, if you're in Pearl Jam and the drummer doesn't show up, that creates a problem, you know, that creates a problem. There's no concert, there's no security, there's no backstage, there's no sound text, there's no stage hands. Uh, you know, there's no ticket sales, there's no vendors selling lemonade and, 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 and refreshments. And, you know, it, and it's, I know that's a bit of a, of a stretch of an example, but is it, you know, if, if the drummer of Pearl Jam doesn't show up to the show, it creates a problem. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to find a drummer <laughs> that quickly. And as I said before, I think it's more magnified what Steven Jackson was saying. It's, it's still unprofessional for James Harden not to show up, but when it's, it's an African-American coach and not to mention his first time coaching, I think that gets a little amplified as well. You know, you can't sit there and say equality on the back of your jersey or Black Lives Matter, and then you pull this stunt. You know, you're contradicting yourself, and and that that that's something that I wanted to bring up. Like, look, dude, you know, if you're gonna be for the movement, and James Harden, you know, he he spoke up a little bit, and it's just like, you know, hey, you're you're employed by the Rockets, be a professional, show up. I know you might not like it, I'm not even, I'm pretty sure he'll force a trade some kind of way, but at least be respectful to your teammates and the team that's actually signing your paychecks. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, and you know, you, you're, 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 you're selling yourself or you're, or you're uh, advertising yourself as being available to other teams. And if I'm one of those other teams, I'm like, well, is this, is this who I want joining my family? You know, I, and, and a lot of it's for fluff and he's had his own, he's had his own issues in the media and social media and that kind of thing. But I, I did, see yesterday that uh, a reporter asked Kevin Durant if you know if he was interested or excited or thinking about the possible James Harden trade and uh, to come to Brooklyn and, and and Kevin Durant you know wisely normally he would he would have had a, a less than proper response but wisely said hey you know he's not on our team so I'm not thinking about him at all um, so you know and, and I think that that's that's kind of fair it's like hey you know you, you see the, the chaos or commotion that that somebody causes in one home you know, do you want to invite them over to your home? Yeah, that's true. And Kyrie Irving got fined for not really being available to the media. I guess now he doesn't want his words to be mixed up. So now he's writing statements. The NBA said, you know the rules. You need to be available before practice and after practice to the media, which that 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 is a certain that that, that once again, that goes back down to the professionalism. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So, yeah, we get no. overpaid and over glorified, uh, uh, you know, athletes that sometimes they just don't know how to handle it it's certainly um i don't know it, i guess it's disappointing you know i know my man sir chuck says that you're not role models but unfortunately um when you're in the limelight or spotlight somebody's watching and somebody's following and and, and in that particular profession it's typically of the younger generation and, and you'd love to have a little bit better example at times no, they don't want to accept the role model responsibility. That's what it is. But but in just the, want to accept the paycheck, right? Lawson, yeah, just the, the paycheck. But everybody the, wants something for nothing. Give me the money, but I don't want to be accountable for nothing. But you know, that, in the, the, wouldn't that be a perfect world? Yeah, but in the real world, you you are a role model to someone, whether you accept it or not. Now, last thing with you, you're my role model. Well, hey, you're the one that has been busy this week, posting on facial meet or on social media that you know you're gonna have a high dry clean. Bill, tell us about your before the COVID shutdown. Basically, you were on the move doing women's basketball, a lot of high school basketball games, boys and girls. I mean, you're pretty much the most popular color comment commentator in town. 
Well, I mean, basically, that just means I don't get paid like James Harden, and I actually got to show up to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that See, is true. Harden gets paid in advance. I get paid post-performance. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, no, it's it's been fun. It's been a blessing to be back in the gym. You know, uh, you know, like we talked about the teams that missed the NBA playoffs. Well, you know, myself, I hadn't been in a gym um, to see any type of game in eight months. Uh, with, wow. With the NCAA tournament, you know, being canceled mm-hmm. and, High school basketball being shut down, starting the state tournament last year, and and uh, and then I, w- I was not um, uh, part of the personnel in the NBA bubble, so it had been just as long for me not being in the uh, in the gym. So I was happy to be in the gym and done a lot of TV here to start off the season uh, at, at all levels. Did the University of Toledo men's team and mm-hmm. Coach Kowalczyk's got got him garden, got him playing some defense. Uh, so well, except loved, against loved except there. against Michigan, you know, I hate to put him down on that one, but that was well, a tough one. A, yeah, and it was short notice and short preparation and, and an awesome opportunity. Raised a little money for the university and got to go play a high major school on TV. So True. you take that chance every time. And and uh, did uh, Trisha Cubs. Rockets women and man, they're phenomenal and 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 uh, and and really got some uh, some some great young talent. The, the the sophomore weird and she had 42 last night in her first mat game mm-hmm. and uh, of the season and and the freshman from Rossford High School, McConowitz. I mean, uh, got to be the early front runner for Mac freshman of the year. Just a just a, a a true success story. A girl that you know 90 days ago uh, was going to go to Owens Community College as a student, is my understanding, had no college interest for any level nope. of basketball and then uh had the opportunity to to to, to kind of walk on or or uh you know weasel her way into a practice role at university of toledo and then next thing you know a uh, player leaves and she's on scholarship and then she's in the starting lineup and then she's one of the best players and just just showing out so good for her you know that's one of those uh, believing yourself and, and and count on yourself type scenarios that panned out um and then, uh, you know, uh, on top of the college games, done multiple high school games and seen teams from the from the track, both boys and, and girls. And and also, uh, uh, I can't even remember, did some other ones. Can't remember. I did uh, oh, some NLL games. So, you know, seen lots of lots of basketball here in the first couple of weeks. And unfortunately, a lot of it's getting shut down. So I am glad that that it corresponds. Uh, if there's any victory that NBA preseason is starting today and colleges, a lot of the college teams are still playing since the local high school is being shut down for the most part. Yeah, Sophia Wired, by the way, tied a 30-year uh, 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 scoring record for the Rockets at 42 points. Tied it. She could have had – I watched that game, actually. I was like, man, this girl's on fire. And uh, she she tied it. And this is the first time that the Rockets are 3-0. Get this. 3-0 and since 1996. And I that's thought awesome. that's pretty crazy well, because Patricia Cobbs had some really great teams. But they've never started three and zero before. They've always got a loss somewhere in there in the first three games, which I thought, oh, yeah, that, that, that takes it all the way back to the Mark Elan era. So that's a that's a long ways back, and you know, yeah, tremendous start for the Lady Rockets. And you know, one of my friends joked last night that uh, you know, the COVID didn't affect the game in Northern Illinois because that's a it's a huge arena, and uh, they never have any fans anyway. So it was probably like <laughs> it was probably like the same same scenario. She was probably playing in front of twenty cardboard cutouts, and and. Uh, and knocked in 42 big ones. So, uh, you know, good for her. And, um, yeah, you know, what a great start to their season, both individually and collectively as a team. Yeah. No, Ben, by the way, there's no fans at men or women's games at Northern Illinois. It, never, it, it, never. It's beautiful a- facility, beautiful arena. Uh, I remember we played, we played there, uh, and we were, um, we were, I think, in a three way tie for first place or half, half game separating three teams in first place. And there was about 300 fans in this arena and over 200 of them were for us, the visitors. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Northern Illinois, even, and they've had some great football teams and they don't have people that show up for the football game. It, it, it's a very interesting dynamic over there in DeKalb. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful, beautiful facility, but it's like 20 miles, 20 miles from campus. And you know, it's a, uh, it's yeah. Unfortunately they, they haven't gotten the support for men's and women's basketball that they probably deserve because they've, they've had a pretty good product uh, over the years at different times on the floor. Well, if it's twenty miles from campus, ain't no students going. I mean, that's just that's just Mac basketball for you. I mean, think about it, Savage Dream. We have good attendances at our games too, but it's right in the middle of campus, and we were bringing in at least both the men and women's side. If if they're both, well, the women always bring in fans. They're always top twenty five in the country, but at least three thousand, four thousand fans. But you're right. Usually, the convention center has like four hundred people, which is which is sad. <laughs> Um, 
Darren, last question. How do you do it, man? Because you, you're actually on point with all your information and everything. And people wanted to know. It's like, dude, you're doing all these games. Sometimes you're doing back-to-back nights, especially with the COVID. Everyone's trying to get games in. So you could be at one gym one night, another gym the next night, and then across town the night after. How do you get all your information together to be on point with these broadcasts? Well, I mean, I appreciate the kind words. Um, you know, basically, I think it's just uh, longevity and tenure in the sport. You know, I pretty much dedicated my life to the game of basketball from uh, from about fifth grade on, um, you know, trying to be a, a, a crappy player. And and then and then on to coaching. I, you know, I started coaching my first team at 15 years old. I started my my first AAU club. I was 15 and my players, I started with fifth graders and I took them all the way up through high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've just been around the game at every single level. Um and I've been around uh, high school, college, professional sports and different, even different sports, not always basketball, uh, worked for a lot of organizations and I've had tremendous mentors. So I just understand sports and, and people in the game and what you're trying to accomplish as a coach and as a player. And um, so, so really it's, it's oftentimes it's just me talking about my life experiences and, and channeling that into whatever the current topic is or the current game or play or players or team Um but, you know, I, I also am a bit of a workaholic, so I pride myself on preparation and, and note-taking. And, um, you know, and that's not even just in basketball. It's in my daily life. I'm an old-school uh, checklist and handwritten notes all the time. And, uh, but, you know, just lots of preparation and passion for what you do. I, I believe if you're going to do it, you're going to show up. You do it right, and you do it the best, and you try to be better than everyone else that's doing it as well. Um, so if you have that mindset, you are, you're going to put the time and effort in um, to do well. It's never – never about a paycheck um you know i've had i've had i've had jobs where i've made no money and i've had jobs where i made good money and it's always it's always been the same level of performance and focus you know you show up and try to be more present and clearer than than uh than the last time and 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 good things always work out and and, and turn out for you and you do it for others serve serve other people and uh, good things will happen for yourself it, it, it's it's a it's a un, it's a proven fact it, it, it never fails now that is very true, and and once again, uh, Darren, you basically just hit the nail on the head with that one, with the with, with saying that. By the way, here we got this for you. Message. <laughs> a, I love it. A good message there. And by the way, congratulations, actually, um, stepping into the girls' game, actually. Uh, Darren, you 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 do a little. You did a little bit last year, but you primarily boys. But you know, you're dipping your toes in the girls' pool. As now, I'm over on the girls' side. So, how are you liking that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I actually my my first ever paid coaching job was a was a varsity assistant at Notre Dame Academy, uh, way way back. Rhett uh, Boyd was it with Rhett Boyd? No, it was with a fellow named uh, Larry McDonald. It was way before Rhett. Um, and um, and yeah, so that was you know, so I, it's never been a an opposition to doing girls or women's. I actually had an opportunity to coach in the WNBA this past summer, uh, but it just didn't line up with what I was trying to do um, at that time. It's really more so been a scheduling issue. Um, you know, when you're doing different capacity or roles of games at the high school, college, and NBA level, um, there's just oftentimes it wasn't a lot of opportunity. And with the COVID, uh, you know, I have more gaps in my schedule and, and more flexibility and free time. And when the opportunity came up to, to do a Central Catholic and Finley girls game, my old friend uh, Erica Haney and one of her assistants, Nisi Purley. Um, I was more than excited to cover that game, and then, um, and then obviously I, I've known Coach Cullup uh, for a long time, and so the opportunity to do the Lady Rockets. I've done the Lady Rockets in the past. I've did the, some of their uh, WNIT games a few years back uh, for ESPN. So when the opportunity came up, I was really excited to to cover cover her team and her club. And you know, I'm a two-time University of Toledo alumni, so anytime I can uh, be back at, uh, on on the on the campus on Bancroft or uh, in Savage Arena, it's always a, a blessing and a privilege. I, I consider it an honor to be able to go back and, um, and, and you know, share with our fans and our community about about the place where, um, you know, I earned my degrees and I'm a proud alumni and, uh, and provided opportunities for me to be where I'm at today. Yeah, and by the way, even though me and you do this show together, we might you might be doing a game of mine. <laughs> one of the big time games since I coached at St. Ursula. So that'd be pretty cool to see you up in the stands doing one of our games. Oh, I'd love to do it. Love to do it, man. Uh, you know, I probably I probably had to get on uh, 
uh, uh, you and uh, and Tandy Bradford's attire, you know, a little bit. Take some shots at the at the coaching attire. See, no, see no, who no. Your, your your stylists are and that kind of thing. But, no, we'll be no, on point. Not might might not be Russell Westbrook point, but we'll be on point. <laughs> but no, I'd lo- I'd love to do it. And if the and if the phone call ever comes in or the email requesting my services uh, for anything uh, to support you or what you guys are doing, I'd be happy to happy to oblige. All right. Well, so what's up next for Mister Cone? You know, um, the holidays are coming, and uh, that means uh, lots of uh, lots of eating. So I'm getting ready to go work out. <laughs> okay, hey, you, hey, you live a but see. At least you live a regular life. You know, people see man, people on man, TV I, and they think that you live this lavish life like MTV uh, Cribs. Well, uh, yeah, except I got to clean my own crib. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. Gonna yep. <laughs> go, go, go get a little workout in, and then uh, and then I got some basketball stuff. Uh, you know, here throughout the weekend. So All just right. stay. Staying busy, busy. All right, thanks so much, Coach Cone. Always calling, always giving us jewels. And make sure you always check out Coach Cone on BCSN, ESPN3, by the way. Anywhere else? Oh, man, it's 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 always somewhere. It's always somewhere. I post it all on uh, on Twitter, at CoachDarrenK.com. Uh, or at Coach Dar- Sorry, my Twitter is at CoachDarrenK. Uh, so most everything goes up on there. Um, so you can follow it from there. All right. Make sure you guys check out Coach Cone. And also, you can check Coach Cone out on our segments on iTunes and SoundCloud. Well, Darren, thank you so much, man. Have a great day, man. All right. Thanks. You too, brother. All right, man. Bye-bye. Yep. That was Darren Cone, the coach, here on 88.3 WGTs. After further review, like I mentioned before, you can always check him out uh, on uh, his, his Twitter, what he, what he said. I can actually post it up and then have our segments here. But he's also on BCSN. Um, uh, ESPN3 doing games like that as well. And uh, like I said, just always check him out. Really great guy. I've known Darren Cone for almost 25 years. Now, not 25 years straight. I met him when he was in high school around the mid-90s at the Southwest Y, now the Wolf Creek Y. And then uh, about four or five years ago, kind of relinked up back with him. But seeing him off and on on different social media platforms when social media started kind of become a little popular, more popular about 10 years ago. Anyway, we're going to take a quick commercial break. That was a great segment for you. I went through a lot of topics, um, but you can always listen to us on iTunes and on SoundCloud, WXUT's After Further Review with a picture of Frank Vashner and the horse's head. Coming up next, more After Further Review here next on 88.3 WXUT's After Further Review.